Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows. And you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about like crazy, incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spook also has a a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, like our tournament episodes, they're going to be, oh, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Feral. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of my brother's sneakers exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash my brother's sneakers. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again, break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get it. I 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I feel like that wasn't with my usual verb. Is what it is, and that, that, you know that's what it is. Uh, if you like the music playing there, that is a band called Les Blanks. Please check them out at lesblanks.com. They're real good, and they have a new album coming out this year, 2014. Uh, if you haven't listened to my show before, it is exactly what the title says. It's a conversation with me, Matt Dwyer. I talk with people, and uh, today's is uh, today's. I, I speak with Seek Donnelly, who is a comic book artist and uh, aneurysm survivor. And this is one of those episodes that, when it was done, when we were done talking, I was, like, I was excited because it is, it's, it makes me go, oh, this is why I I podcast and this is why I talk to people because I get to talk to a really interesting, hilarious, insightful, and inspiring dude. And that's what uh, Seek Donnelly 
that's Seek Donnelly. And it's it's also it's incredible because uh, we had emailed back and forth a bunch, and he and I felt like we were kind of friends. And then we did this interview, and at the end of it, I was like, "This dude's my good friend. <laughs> like, I want to totally hang out with this guy." And uh, you know what? We're going to. We're totally hanging out together. Uh, he's awesome. Other than that, in my life, I'm just I'm I'm trying to uh, get back into the swing of things. Holidays really just you kind of get in that food, food, booze, watch movies mode. And, you know, be a filthy pig mode with your eating and drinking. And it's really hard to snap out of. <laughs> it's like, it's like I don't want to do anything except watch uh, mind-numbing television. Uh, but I'm working on it. I'm Actually, I'm going to Boston tonight, Red Eye to Boston. Uh, and I'm really psyched about that because of that whole freezing cold thing that's going on on the East Coast that made me go, oh, thank God I left Chicago to live in California where I was a couple of weeks ago complaining that it was 75 degrees on Christmas Day. Actually, it was like 80. Poor me, right? Poor effing me. But uh, I don't have clothes for Boston. I don't have, I don't own winter clothes anymore. I have like, you know, I have some sweaters, and I still have a long underwear shirt that I've had since 1994. Other than that, uh, I got nothing. That's like penis disappear cold. I don't want to do it, but anyway, enough about me. Uh, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Seek Donnelly is one hell of a... F- dude, I'm trying to s- s- stop swearing so much on my show. <laughs> I don't... I, I f- I'm failing miserably. Anyway, Seek Donnelly, everybody. This is you're one of my kind of guests that I really like to have because uh, I don't know where the fuck to begin with you. <laughs> oh, perfect. I mean, there's so much to... to and, and it's weird because I've had a lot of uh, listeners and friends and stuff be like, when are you going to have a comic book guy on? Oh. And uh, so that's I get that bonus, but then there's other things in your life I'm very fascinated about. Sweet. I, well, I like that I fill the comic book quota. <laughs> uh... I don't have to have any of you geek nerd fucks on ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one you need. Um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, no, I, yeah, I'm a, a big, obviously a, a big, <coughs> big comic book nerd, and uh, and have been reading them since I was uh, eight years old. I think my mom bought me my first ones when I was in a hospital. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I've uh, I, I could nerd out on you completely, but if if uh, if you're not too comic book savvy, I can always rein it in as well. Well, I kind of feel like I did, I, there was a uh. uh I don't know, an asshole period I went through <laughs> where I was just kind of like, go on. Well, I got, I was really kind of like in the anti nerd, like, ah, oh, fuck sure. off with, and it's like, and, and now, and maybe it's partly due to my girlfriend softening me up and she's into, you know, she's a little bit more on the nerd side. Like I've got kind of like we went and saw the Hobbit, which I oh. said to her the other day, I was like, I would never go fucking see that. Yeah, sure. And now I'm like, I'm like enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, right. But I feel like huh. I've missed out on that. Maybe I feel a little like, oh, you, your dickishness made you miss out on something really cool. It's funny because like I, I, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not it's weird. I, I used to be a really big reader, uh, but now I'm, I read mostly comic books. So I, I've, I've fallen away from like actual books and stuff like that. But I do sometimes read stuff on spirit, spiritual practice and things like that. 
and it's really neat because I'll see, I feel like I learn very valuable lessons from something like that. And then I also feel like I, believe it or not, will learn a valuable lesson from reading a comic book too. And the, I think comic books for me though, they filled a void that I, I didn't, you know, like I grew up without a dad. So I think comic books were kind of the, and my mom worked like three jobs. So it was just me and my brother most of the time. And I think comic books taught me those life lessons that, that I, that I didn't have a parent around to kind of instill on me. So uh, I think that's why they're so important to me personally. Uh, but then they also, if you meet, you know, that's why I was saying about who you have on the show as far as like geek related. There are a lot of people, there's very few people with my amount of knowledge on comics who can actually carry a conversation as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's tough and I'm not, I'm not putting anyone down. It's just like, but there's a, there's an introvertness to comic books a lot of times uh, where people get so involved with what they are in geek into geek culture that they, it prevents them from interacting with real people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely have, it seems like I would have been right because I'm like a weirdo introvert. Like I'll, I rented like, I'll just like, but I'll like watch like that old TV series homicide. Okay. Like I'll just lock my way self away and watch that for like like i definitely have all the tendencies like i yeah. just somehow when you're done do you feel like you can like catch criminals <laughs> <laughs> i think i would be one hell of a homicide detective yeah. by now after I, that i read comics and i go man i'd make a lousy superhero but yeah <laughs> yeah is there are there any superheroes like my, like who would fit my vein who are really terrified of confrontation and just kind of <laughs> try to make a joke and and and, and glaze over the situation oh yeah yeah, there's there's probably a couple um, who are terrified of confrontation. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that wouldn't make a good comic book story, but I, you could probably you might slip into maybe one of the um, <coughs> Ant Man you know, groups, maybe okay. maybe one of the Ant Mans. But like, I had friends turn me on to like Eight Ball and that oh, okay. sort of stuff back, and I can, I can't tell you any of those guys. But I like sure. and even and I mean I feel like like late to the party and embarrassed, but like you know Harvey <laughs> Picar and all that. Like, oh yeah, sure. But like you. I never knew those kind of genres, and those are like kind of ripe for a guy like me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like there's that's why I always say like I, I worked at probably four comic book stores in my entire life, and the easiest thing in the world was to, and funnest thing in the world was to find someone who walked in for the first time and find a book for them because like movies, there is something for everybody in the comic book world. Uh, so I worked at Blockbuster for many years too. So someone come in and they go. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking for an action movie, but I want it to be funny and I'm, you know whatever. And I'm just like, okay, well, check out you know like Boondock Saints or something, you know, and or check out this, and I'd recommend something. There's always something for everybody, so that was always my favorite thing at comic stores. Do the same thing. People come in and go, and and what I start with, they go, what kind of music and movies do you like, you know? And then they go, oh, I like this band and this movie, and I'm like, okay, well then you might like this comic. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I could see where that would. Because I, I work in a bar sometimes, and people are like, I want something kind of fruity, but with... The, and I'm like, yeah. just fucking get a shot and a beer <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah, it's exactly it. I mean, you could do that with any job, any job where you're kind of selling something. You know? But I can't be like, so uh, do you like Cassavetes and, <laughs> right. and yeah, Coldplay? Right. Well, oh, you, you might you'd be like, are you a James Bond fan? And you're like, <laughs> See, you're smarter than me. No. See, already we know it. <laughs> I only have half a brain, so I... Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I drank half mine away, so <laughs> and coke and acid. But uh, yeah. to, to go back to um, your your father, oh, yeah. because I, that's something I re- relate to. Because okay. my 
my dad died when I was 12. Okay. But so, and then I escaped through like Mark's brothers and F oh. troop. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I mean, I was like curious, like what, how, what, what happened? I know your dad was a cop and from yeah. what I read, he was a little like my dad, not <laughs> uh, good with a fist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, actually that, that reminds me of my favorite Dave Attell joke where he says, uh, it's, it makes me laugh every time he goes, uh, uh, I hate traveling, and I think it's because my dad used to beat me with a globe. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my all-time favorite joke ever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, my dad was, uh, you know, and this definitely isn't like an oh, feel bad for me thing, because I, I, I'm at a point in my life now, especially after what I've been through medically in the past couple years, that I, I see that nothing is without purpose, nothing was, is it without meaning. So when I was uh, eight, my... Uh, I tried to break up a fight between my bro- my mom and my dad. It was like I think I was yeah I think I was eight years old, and uh, and the fight ended with my dad losing complete uh, control of his anger and hitting me in the head with his gun. Jesus. Uh, and uh, and it actually cracked my head pretty good, and I went to the hospital. And that's actually also the same time the same hospital visit my mom bought me my first comic books in. And then soon after they got divorced. Um, so uh, there was a, I'm sure there was a time in my life uh, where I ha- grew up hating him. And I probably grew up with that anger. And, uh, you know, and a lot of people I talked to that knew me then and who know me now, they, uh, they're like, wow, you, you, you are a completely different guy. Like, because there was certainly a chip on my shoulder from that kind of childhood and that kind of life that is kind of purged now because of the, 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 the side of the spectrum that I'm sitting on now, you know? So, uh, so my dad, uh, so I, now I just don't even think about him. Like he, <laughs> he's, uh, I know, I think he lives in like Ohio or something like that. I, I so know. he's, he's suffering for his sins anyway, if he's in Ohio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's another, uh, David tell joke. Uh, you know, what's fun to do in Ohio is pack up and leave. Uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, uh, I mean, who, I, I don't know. I, it's, um, uh, actually, I, I don't, I don't even wish ill on him. Like, I, hopefully he has a new family and a new life and he's doing all right. You know, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like ho- holding on to hate in any way is like, it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, um, it doesn't, uh, he could be happy, the happiest guy in the world. He could be the saddest guy in the world right now, or he could be dead right now. I have no idea, but all three of those emote the same emotion from me, which is not, I don't really care. Right. Yeah. What and it's uh, did, so did that? Were you kind of an angry teen, or was it? Because I mean, I was angry, but like I, do you need a tissue? Yes. Sorry. Can you grab a tissue? <laughs> um, oh, you, how dare you have uh, human <laughs> reactions to your environment? <laughs> yes. Um, sorry. <laughs> What's next? You're gonna sneeze, you motherfucker! <laughs> oh, he's coughing, honey. Get him the call nine one one. He's an asshole. <laughs> Um, oh man! Because like I, you know, because I feel like now I, I already said before the show like how I felt like just from our emails we're we're pals. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like now I feel like oh I really relate to this guy. But but I mean because I like I was angry, but I would vent it. You know I would like I tried to you know go do comedy and creative dumb things. Sure. And uh, and like my brothers, you know, they went and punched people in the head. <laughs> it's like, sure. And I can't do that. But I was just like... It, it's it's funny. I, I actually did both um, for a long time. I started really writing and wanting to make a career out of it, I think, when I was 
16 or 17 is when I really started and I started looking at, you know, because what I heard writers say back then was always like, write what you know, you Mm -hmm. know, so I would just look at the things I knew in my life, whether it be comics or or everyday things or being a teenager. Um, I would write all the time. I would go to Barnes and Nobles and, uh, uh, and buy blank journals and just fill them up. And I think I probably have like 30 at one point, had like 30 of those just filled with random ideas or full stories or whatever. Um, and, uh, and I just wrote all the time and that was, that was definitely one outlet, but then there was still a side of me that really wanted to hit things. And so I would, uh, and so, but I would target it. Like I would, uh, I would find someone who was mean to me first or who disliked me for whatever reason. And I would, I would, if I, even if I, if I felt it was weird, cause if I, there was this time in like 10th grade, I think it was, or something where a guy thought I was hitting on his girlfriend because she was basically cheating off me in math class. Right. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like your girlfriend, you know, like I don't care or whatever. And so he picked a fight with me and I wouldn't throw a punch back because I'm like, all right, well this doesn't make any sense. So I sat there and took a beating. Um, and then like a couple weeks later outside of school, I ran into a guy who like threatened my little brother walking down the street and I went and caved his head in, you know? So it's like, so I, I was choosy about who I hit. <laughs> I think that's good. You really, cause you want quality in your hitting. <laughs> exactly. You know, if I'm going to leave my signature on something, it's, <laughs> it's going to be uh, worth it. Yeah. Um, so there was definitely that period, um, where I, where I was doing both. But then, uh, I think once I stopped hitting people and I like started trying to like, like, cause I think I, the turning point for me with that kind of stuff was, uh, what you probably saw in the email was like, I was staying in Atlanta for a while, uh, unbeknownst to even close friends of mine and my family too. And I was doing a CI work and like kind of narking on people. And after six months of that, I like, it was like a big eye opener. Cause I was probably doing a few drugs at that point. Not anything made like not anything. Like I wouldn't say I wasn't doing them constantly, but like maybe twice a month I would do like you know, two nights a month I would do like ecstasy or something. And then like I would try, I never went into anything harder than that, but it'd be like pot or it'd be ecstasy or something like that. And then I went and started working for the CI and doing that kind of stuff. And once I saw lives like being destroyed by drugs, it was like, you know, and seeing that at like 19 years old was just like, okay. Like, uh, and so I, I went with the exact opposite. I was, I went back to South Carolina for a while and, and I was doing landscaping. Um, and I was definitely cleaned up a lot. And then, uh, uh, my aunt had offered me a job at Disney in Florida. And I was like, I can't think of anything more safe <laughs> than, <laughs> than a job at Disney world. <laughs> so I took it and I, in the overnight I drove down to Florida. Wow. How, how do you get in, how did you get in, because the CI, I always see the, you know, they, in the, in the TV shows. Yeah. And I'm, so how does one. Well, I had been working for a bondsman, uh, for a while and then, uh, and then I met someone else through him and then that person mentioned to someone in Atlanta, which is where I bought my Jeep. I used to have a Jeep Wrangler, um, which is still my favorite car to this day. I got one. Yeah. Sweet. And, uh, <laughs> and they're awesome. Um, and, uh, and so I. So through, so it was like a friend of a friend of a friend. And then it was, and then he was like, Hey, we do this. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, well, that's at first it didn't, I don't know. I, I guess he sold it well. Cause I was like, Oh, that doesn't sound so bad. And that's a few extra bucks here and there. 
So I went and did that, and and then I, the people I was, even the people I was rooming with in Atlanta were just like, like really, like <laughs> really on the way over the edge, and I ever wanted to go with a drug, you know. And then uh, and then once I started like ratting people out, I was like, then I started getting concerned for my safety. Yeah, I was wondering about yeah. that. And so then I was like, oh, I gotta get the hell out of here. Did they know you were? Did they find out that you were ratting them out? Uh, no. And then Seek is not my real name. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but by the way, I need you to give me your ID and. Uh, oh, right, of course. I need a copy of my ID and my birth certificate. Just as for the release forms of the podcast? <laughs> yes, of course. Just legal stuff. No big deal. God, that's a fucking crazy story. And that's not even you're halfway through your life yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> Jesus, really? Um, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> but I, what? how did all that land you and bring you here? In LA. Um, I, I think when I look at, I, I, it's very interesting to look at my old life from my new life because I can analyze it a lot clearer, I think, because it's almost like a different person is analyzing it. So uh, it seemed to me that I've never stopped running my entire life. Uh, it seemed like I was not in search of something, but always running from the past. And so I bounced, I lived a lot of places, you know, like I, I, I lived, um, all over in the South, like Mississippi, Alabama, you know, Georgia, Florida, although I wouldn't really consider Florida the South, but, um, South Carolina, like all over, you know, um, and I've been, you know, when I landed in Florida, I was, I was 24, 25 and, uh, and it was like 2007 and I just was looking around at my life, and I had a two-bedroom apartment near Disney that I was paying for by myself. One was a bedroom, and the other one was like a video game room. I had statues, toys, comic book collectibles all over the place. Um, I was getting paid like $200 a day to work Jesus. At, at Disney. like, And so I would only work like 11, 12 days a month and then just take the rest of the month off, you know, because uh, I was freelance. So... Um, Why would you leave such a... That was, that was the thing, is like I... I I, I was looking at how great my life was at 25, and I said, uh, but I wasn't getting any writing done at this point, you know? I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was just becoming, I was doing things that weren't making me happy, but they were giving me all these things that made me happy, but they wasn't, the, the job itself wasn't making me happy. And, and plus, I was a cameraman for Disney doing weddings and stuff, and uh, and that's not a job I've ever wanted. And I knew there was people at the business working under me that would have killed to have that job. And I thought, well, why not try to do something noble while also doing something selfish? So I quit that job, and over a weekend, I sold most of the stuff in my apartment and then just headed out here. Um, because I was like, if I'm going to be an artist and write and draw, because at that point I was drawing a lot more, um, I need to do it in a city that, that will provide some sort of challenge. And also, um, I have to struggle. Like, I think I'll tell more interesting things if I come from a place of struggle, whereas right now I'm in total in a state of contentment, and, uh, and I don't like that. I don't like feeling like I am accomplishing anything when what I really want to accomplish isn't getting done. So there was a part of me that was just like, so screw it, let's just sell everything and then, you know, see what California has to offer. And then I just drove out here over, you know, I, I left over a weekend and then stopped in New Orleans because I had friends there. 
and hung out there for like a week because it was my birthday and I didn't want to spend it in my car. And, <laughs> and then uh, and then I drove the rest of the way. And then it wasn't until like Arizona where because I posted something in apartments.com or something. And uh, when I hit Arizona, some guy said, hey, I have an apartment. Like I, he's like, I'm an actor. I'm moving to Singapore. I have a fully furnished apartment and it's eleven hundred dollars a month for your half and you have a roommate. And I go, okay, whatever. I was like, I don't even know if I can afford eleven hundred a month. But I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take it, fine, whatever. And uh, and that's kind of how I landed out here. That's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of people because I after I said like, why would you leave that? But it's like I would be miserable too. Yeah, it was <laughs> like it in a weird happy. way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you're comfortable, but it's like you're not doing what you want, and which makes right. eats at you. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've wanted to tell stories. I wanted to write. I wanted to create, um, provide escape. You know, that's what movies were and books were always that for me when I was a kid was always an escape from reality. And now everything wants to be grounded in reality and everything, everyone, everyone with reality TV and everything has. And I'm just like, wow, that's you can't bore me quick enough. You know, like <laughs> I'm already over it. You know? uh, yeah, I, I've been. With the exception of some cooking things, like chopped, <laughs> yeah. But like other, most reality shows, I'm just like it. Yeah. It infuri- Like I think because there's a, also a dishonesty to, of course, and that it really irks me. And it's just it's making. Now it feeds into that you know everyone should be famous like and it's sure. just making a really weird entitled awful society. And I don't think that's yeah. like some over analysis thing. I actually think that's happening. Well, you're, I mean, you're right. It's like I, when I moved out here, that's what I was doing was reality TV. And I worked on Dancing with the Stars and On the Lot. That show's good. Yeah, just, <laughs> uh, uh, Shark Tank. Uh, what was it? Bully Beatdown. Like a, a lot of Mark Burnett shows. Um, Bachelor, Bachelorette, all that stuff. Like I, I was working on a lot of reality shows out here. And, um, and I found that to be quite draining Like uh, as far as like my faith in humanity <laughs> like like i'm like wow people actually watch this stuff because most of the shows like bachelorette and stuff i'd never heard of that show until i worked on it um so uh so yeah it was just like you're right it's creating this layer of uh, uh teenagers now too who who think that you know like all they have to do is is be stupid online or something and they can be famous you know and it's like and it's like or not even just teenagers but just all kind of people like who will just throw up these YouTube videos and just and it's just them being ridiculous and then uh, and then you know, them trying to be, get some kind of fame out of it and it, the the weirdest thing is like I'm all for people creating their own art and creating their own stuff but some of these videos I see I'm like well no thought was put into this like this is just you running up to strangers and like throwing paint on them and going hi you're stupid you know or whatever <laughs> and it's like and that's the joke and I'm like this <laughs> like I don't this. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's it's and it's, it's like I think as people who've <clears throat> worked and cultivated and studied and whether it be formally, you know, it's sure. like you you studied your shit for you know, sure. and then you see that and you're just like, oh, I just have to go fucking hit somebody with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, wow, it's that easy. Well, then I, but that's that's the thing too. I think there's a part of me that's a little jealous because I'm like I'm like, oh, that's, that made it so simple. And, and then or I'll laugh at the video and I'll go, God, I, I shouldn't be laughing at this. Uh, but yeah. but you do but I do because <laughs> sometimes they are funny. There's some <laughs> Asian true. guys who did that thing where they all they're just falling down with gallons of milk in stores. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Except for those people who can't get milk. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they were doing that like in a third world country, and it's like I got milk, and then they drop it. Oh, I'm... that's funny because I was doing that in India with with <laughs> oh. big jugs of water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
Yeah. And antibiotics. I'll just, yeah. you know, just put so, those. Someone will laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. Like like Vine is a is is a neat tool because I think Vine is 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 perfect for that that audience, that generation, you know, who wants to go create something where they're just being silly for 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Right. And then I can watch that because I'm like, okay, well then I'm buying into this the the concept of a Vine video, you know, and so it's like, okay, I, that's a little bit more easy to adjust than like a 3-minute YouTube video that like, feels like a waste of time. Yeah, Vine is the first thing I didn't I downloaded it and I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't need one more fucking thing to juggle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm already, you know, do you, do you make Vine videos? No, I have the Vine app and I meant to, or I keep meaning to, but I'm not a very visual thinker like at all. So it's uh so then I realized like, it's the same reason I'm not on Instagram. Like I'm, I'm just like, yeah, most visual, like I, I use Twitter a lot. That's pretty much it. And, and it, I used to be not a big fan of Twitter, uh, but it's cause I could never, like concise my thoughts or like narrow them down to just the however many characters. But now I think in such short bursts that it's like, Oh, Twitter is perfect for me. Yeah. I like Twitter as well, but, but, but didn't you, but you draw. So how can you not think of in a visual? Doesn't that contradict itself? Uh, no, I mean, I used to draw all the time, but like, but, but my aneurysm wiped out my, my, like my visual sense. So like when I close my eyes, for example, I can't see anything. So I don't dream. I don't like none of that stuff. You don't dream anymore. No. And then we should we should back up because you mentioned your aneurysm, which oh, is yeah. something we haven't discussed. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, it was a good lead-in because I was like, how the fuck am I going to get to this aneurysm? <laughs> yeah. So you had an aneurysm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So in um, in 2010, uh, I had uh, I had a <clears> bunch <throat> of warning signs. I was working on a oh what was this show? I think it was called Jingles, which was a show I don't even think made to air. Uh, but it was for Mark Burnett and, uh, and I was closing up, I, I was like in charge of the set, like a set PA kind of thing. And then like, so everyone left for the day and I'm closing up the set and locking all the doors and stuff. And then as I come out, my boss and I are talking and then I drop to the ground right in front of him. And then I got up almost like a, a few seconds later and he's like, Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, what happened? He's like, you just fell over. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, you should, you should go home. Like, you know, like, like we're done for the day, go home. So it's like, okay. And so I went home and then like a week later I had another incident. I had to go pick up scripts or something and, uh, on my way into work and I picked up the scripts and I had a, 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 a similar situation where I blacked out at the script place. Um, so then they had to send someone over to get the scripts from me and then I went back home. So I had all these warning signs, but because I didn't have insurance or anything, I, I was just like, all right, maybe I'm just working myself too hard because I, I was working two different reality shows at that point, And then, which back then they weren't like generous on the pa hours like, oh i've been a pa i yeah. fully know how they fuck you <laughs> yeah so so there <clears throat> uh, there were like 16 hour days a lot of times and uh so uh, i would but i would go home from that and i would draw because i was trying to release an independent comic book so and i was that i was drawing myself so i'm also drawing so i would and i would draw till like four in the morning and then get like three hours of sleep and go to set the next day and i was doing that for a while so i thought okay Easy solution. I'm just overworking myself. No big deal. So I took a week off from that job and then rested, went back, finished the job, felt okay. And then I think like I, I would have an incident here and there like that. And then finally, um, one day I was with a couple friends and we were going out to dinner and I had been cl- complaining about a, a migraine all day. And I, and since I was eight, uh, I've had migraines my whole life and the really bad ones to the point where it's like, 
you know, you turn off the lights and all the sound, you know, no sound light, all that stuff. So we just thought it was another one of those. So we're going to dinner and my friend's like, hey, you'll eat, you know, get some food in you and then we'll take you back home and go to sleep. Or if you want to go see a movie with us, you can. So we go to dinner, eat dinner. And then as we're leaving, um, I just drop to the ground. And, uh, and luckily we were two blocks away from a hospital. So my friend called and was like, hey, we're bringing our friend in right now. And like, we don't know what's wrong with him. And, uh, and then I woke up, um, cause this is where it kind of gets fuzzy, but like I woke, I, I woke up, I had a conversation with a doctor, um, and they said, you have to, you have two choices. You either get full brain surgery and chances of you walking, talking, um, chances of you having a lot of memories are slim to none. I mean, they're not in your favor. You know, they, uh, like the, all doctors, they have to prepare you for the worst. And so, but they said, uh, but, um, but you'll, chances are you'll live longer, like a lot longer. Uh, but you might not be you anymore, basically. And then the flip side of that is, or we can give you the coils, which is also a very, you know, something we highly recommend anyway. But, uh, but, and maybe try this new procedure on you that hasn't been tested on too many people yet. If we do this, you, we don't know how long you'll live. You know, you might get, you know, a lot of aneurysm survivors will get another aneurysm or, or something in their lifetime. Um, but we don't know what the effects are going to be fully. And you're like, so, you know, but chances are you might be more yourself than this version. So I guess, I, obviously, I made choice B and I said, all right, I'll go with the new procedure or whatever. My mom obviously didn't really agree <laughs> agree with that. Um, because like all moms, she wants, you know, she wants to know her son's going to be okay. So with the, the idea of me living longer and maybe even a little bit of the idea of her being able to take care of me again was probably what she wanted. Uh, and then me, I just wanted whatever I could to get back to my life. You know, like I just wanted to get back to California. Um, I wanted to get back to, you know, being independent, being strong, like, you know, being the guy who finally got away from his past and is building a new future. Um, so I do, the, we do the procedure. They put me in a medically induced coma. It was supposed to only be for six days. On the fifth day, something went wrong and I flatlined. Um, and I was un out for about a minute, I think. And then when I woke up, they, um, uh, or th and then they, well, I didn't wake up, but they, what they had to do is they had to restart the procedure on the fifth day. So then I was in for another six days. So 11 days later or 12 days later, I woke up finally having been through all the procedure and the coils and stuff. And I was, uh, not walking, obviously not talking everything. My, I felt like it was the first time in my body, you know, for the most part. And then I had to, luckily it wasn't severe in the sense that like I could never walk or talk again. Although I had a doctor tell me that that might be a possibility. Uh, but it was just that my my brain had to remake all the connections, essentially. Because uh, now my brain had a, a gap in it where it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like, a, uh, I think it's a Japan or maybe it's China. Uh, it's like, the, but there was like this great um, shot of the city and then there's Kowloon Palace or whatever, which was like a, a, a blackout zone. And so that's kind of how it looks like. It's kind of like if, if, if like 20 city blocks went blacked out, you know, in a, in a big city. Um, so uh, 
so that's kind of where I, that's kind of what happened to me was I, ha so my brain has to, those synapses have to fire around that area now, you know? And so that, because of that, it, it took me time to learn to walk and talk again. Um, but it was weird because I could almost write instantly. Like I was writing notes and stuff right away. But, uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, but, but for the weird reason, like I, I could, it took me like maybe two weeks to make a word. And then after that, it trickled pretty quickly. And then it took me about maybe two months to walk with the help of a, a walker. And then maybe another two months after that without the walker. That's fucking heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, no, no, I, I, I'm also, I mean, fascinated in, uh, it strikes a lot of my own personal, like, uh, things I think about. But one of the, it's like, when you came out of the coma, mm -hmm. was there, like, any immediate thoughts? Or were you just like, what the fuck? Like, I, I mean, what is that, is there a, is that moment clear in your memory of what your process was? Or was it just... Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, well, I don't I remember one of the first things I saw was the moon, because um, it was at nighttime, and I remember seeing the moon, and that having some kind of effect on me, like, looking at it, um, but no, I mean, I, I felt, you know, it was weird, because it's like, I'm actually not locked in my head ever, like, I, I used to be a guy that would, like, probably couldn't sleep because my my the chatter in my brain all the time you know um but now i mean it's like just air going <laughs> it's like there's i i think i reside a lot more in my heart now uh so it's so so it was weird that that period where i was locked in a body that couldn't say anything because you would think my mind would have went a million miles a minute but it actually didn't at all uh it was uh i just remember feeling like real calm like I like like everything was gonna be okay, you know. Like I like I, like like nothing bad had happened to me, um, and that uh, and then I think it was like after meeting, because I was in ICU and I met another aneurysm survivor, and then there was another person who was in there that didn't survive, uh, and I think that started to weigh on me a little bit, and that's actually why they had me see a psychiatrist. Because they were like, oh, a lot of times in the situation uh, where you have a near-death experience, it's it's good to talk it out because we don't want you to have like a type of survivor's guilt or or be worried that like why did this happen to them and not me kind of thing. And so I went to a psychiatrist, and the the at least according to the psychiatrist, the thing she said to me was, I find it weird that you that you um, aren't afraid of anything, like or that you're not. Um, which is that's not true, but but uh, but that you're not having that effect, you know. She's like, I meet people from time to time that don't have that effect, but it's rare. And she's like, so I think it's weird that you know it's 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 good. It's a good thing that you're not feeling some kind of survivor's guilt, because I think instantly I knew at that moment that I was gonna eventually create what ended up becoming Soul Star, and I think that that was gonna be my okay. I've been given a, a second chance. And whereas someone 10 feet from me was not given that second chance. And I go, so it, it's got to be worth it. I, I got to make it worth it for that person and that person's family, you know? Does that, I mean, it, it seems like, and I've had not situations as, as serious as that, but I've definitely like been hit by cars and. Yeah, I heard that story. And it's, you, you, you it rattles your your perceptions of your life sure. drastically where you're like because one second earlier or later in my 
car thing, I would have, it could have been fucking bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I would, <clears throat> I would have been in glass or under, sure. and that would have been, and you can't help but not think about that. Sure. And uh, you, so then, like, I immediately was like, oh, bills and all, like, those are just idiotic concerns yeah. that really don't matter. Sure. Uh, that, you know, and I can't, but I mean, something like that, I mean, must really alter your perception of not, you know, life, universe, all that. Uh, yeah, why? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, not one bit. No. Uh, I just wanted more pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's a funny thing. I actually don't, um, I'm very asexual now. Uh, I've, uh, I, I, I've tr- tr- tried to be physical with uh, a couple, uh, w- w- with uh, two different people at two different times uh, since since my aneurysm, but I'm not. Uh, it, it's not working out. Like it's a, uh, it's uh, I'm not that they weren't attractive or anything like that, but I just think that connection is gone for me. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe I'll meet someone who's you know the right person or whatever. But but for right now, I'm I'm not interested in anything like that. So I um. But no, I think what it does is I think it makes you more aware of, uh, of what matters, obviously. Uh, I think it makes you more aware of where your soul is. Um, and I think it makes you understand that, uh, uh, that because you don't have a lot of time on this planet, it sh- you should make it about something, you know, and, and something that maybe isn't about you. So... Uh, you know, and 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 that's why my my philosophy and the, the thing that the message in Soul Star is basically like, give more than you take. You know, I think that's my takeaway from what happened to me. Uh, so, out of every ten acts that I do, I'd say six or seven of them are for other people, and then the other three are probably for myself. Yeah, I don't. It's. Uh, I mean, I spent my a good portion of my life just being a big selfish dick (laughs) you know just like oh my career and me and then once you realize that that stuff really doesn't bring happiness and you have a couple things that crush you on different you know it's like but once you start changing the way you live for say other people or other individual if it's like you know my dame or uh it's it almost and you make the career stuff less and like that doesn't matter now now that's a secondary thing to me and it's like that is just like a relief. Like right. it's a relief. It's a weight off your shoulders. Um, it's it's a good way to think about that because it's a. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's there's a less chance that you'll be let down or crushed if you're if you're with that mentality, you know, because uh, because you know because it because again it's for someone else. It's it's you're you're putting um, you know you're putting your lady first or you're put, you know you're <laughs> putting your dog first or you know or whatever. It's uh, uh you know it's. I find that when it's someone or something you love tremendously, uh, then the chance of, uh, you know, the chance of you falling is, is unlikely. You know, it, it, it's more likely that you're going to elevate with them or with that feeling. Right. Uh, I feel like it's a place where you can mostly only go up for, you know, from. And uh, and you mentioned, uh, I think before we started recording, but you mentioned something about, like, the more spiritual element to your life and mm. what what did you sort of um sort of i don't know how get involved with it. <laughs> oh. I, I, I was i don't know why that was hard to word it's uh, but i mean like what spiritual sort of aspect attracted you or what um i, I don't it's what? weird i i i uh, like i 
it's probably an unusual one because it's not it's not like Buddhism or you know it's not like one thing or the other. It's kind of a an inclusion of all of it. Um, I had someone once called me call me a, a bodhisattva, you know, which is a in in Buddhism, which is a, a person who will will uh, how, do, how does it, it's it's a person who will neglect nirvana, who won't go near it in in order to make sure other people go first. So it's basically someone who uh, who uh, who who can't cross over until he knows other people are going before him. You're a spiritual gentleman getting the door for others. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. And then and then I have one person who's always like, I can hold my own door, you know, and I'm like, all right, lady. <laughs> uh, <you know>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so so I have, but I I I thought that was a very actually flattering thing to be called. Uh, because I feel like that. I feel like I'm on this journey right now that it's very important that I'm here because I've had, you know, like I, I hear so many people say like, oh, you know, science has won over religion or whatever. All you have to do is look outside and see the skyscrapers are taller than the churches or whatever. And I go, well, I think that proves that maybe, um, you know, uh, uh, consume, like, uh, what's the word? Consumerism? Yeah, consumerism, but like... Um, uh, the skyscraper bigger than a church thing's just a like saying that's oh science one. It's like well that's that's blood of the working man. Like yeah, you can I, I you think, can find so yeah, many analogies within g- that. There's greed. There's I mean there's a lot of reasons why that those are bigger <laughs> that, that, than than just science, right? It's like um, you know, and so uh, but I always love the, that argument where people are always like it's science or religion. Like you got Bill Maher who who is so anti-religion that he sounds like a, a religious nut. I, I, you know, he's the equal of it on the opposite side. Uh, and I'm like, and, and I go, you, but then, and then people who try to, exc- and I'm like, do you, science by its definition is just the study of the natural world. That's what science means. I go, A, that sounds way too limiting to me. The natural world, there's clearly something beyond the natural world. And two, it's a study, so it's not the answer. You know, when people are like, oh, science is this, science proves this, science proves this, I go, I am living proof. I defy science all the time. Like, I, there was no reason I should have um, woke up from that flat line. There's no reason that I should have felt the way I felt after the, the coma. There's, I'm right now, I'm alive one, almost one year longer than they said I would be. Uh, and I am, for the most part, in pretty good health. I mean, as far as like I can, I can like the discomfort I'm in. I can channel inward, you know, for using a form of spiritual practice. So, I mean, everything I do in a lot of ways defies science, and I think it's because I, I've been touched by the supernatural world, you know, and 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 gone beyond the natural world for a, a brief period in time. So I have this really, I have a connection with God. Like I don't, I'm not preachy or any way. I don't go to church. But I do talk to him. I feel uh, in a in a non weird way, <laughs> but not like I'm just like talking to my dog. <laughs> and, like you want me to kill him, Sam? Um, but uh, but you know, there's a but there's you know, I, I I see what's important, and I see the potential everyone has to be better, uh, or or at least to be you know, something, something to aspire to be. 
and uh, and and and, I, and and so I'm just trying to do what I can to make that happen. I'm trying to affect people in a way to to where they can see that you don't have to be a millionaire or a famous person or anything to be something special. Like that, we're all special. We all can do something positive with our lives and and do something that could benefit the world. And and the one thing we I think this previous generation lost, and why we have a bunch of younger kids that are lost in the way they're lost is because like like maybe my mom's generation stuff like these these parents that had kids at a young age so they could be like friends with their kids you know they're like oh i'm like her older sister or whatever like i feel like they imparted no real wisdom onto the the kid and they and they um and 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 the the effect of that is is uh is all these kids that grew up essentially without you know like role models you know, they, they, they grew up watching their mom dress us, us the way of a 20-year-old, you know, as opposed to how I saw my mom, you know, who dressed like plain Jane, you know, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's I just – but it's it's clear people just – the one thing they don't want to admit is that the potential for them to be full of light is astronomical, and they just need to learn how to embrace that. They need to learn that they're not screw-ups, that they – you can make mistakes like where I am now. I've made so many mistakes in my life. I've screwed over a lot of people. I've been hurt by people. I've hurt other people. You know, from the moment my dad hit me till now, everything had to happen the way it was for me to be who I am today. And I am very proud of the person I've become, you know. So I regret nothing. Everything had to happen for a reason. All, you know, everything had to line up. The stars had to align just like that. Uh for us to be here today, me doing this interview. So this is the peak? Yes, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, boo! <laughs> um, yeah, there's two, well, there's definitely three things I, I want to follow up on. But okay. Well, you say that you're in, um, like you're in physical pain daily. Is mm-hmm. that, what kind of pain is it? Is it like? Well, the, the, the downside is some of it's phantom pain and it's hard to de- determine which is which because there's been days where like my head and neck will hurt really bad and I'll be screaming and then I'll go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, this is probably just a phantom pain. And I'm like, come on, you know? And then there are days where it's like, it's the opposite where I go in and they're like, yeah, okay, we need to give you something. So I think sometimes that's just my, how my brain interprets pain. Uh, Sometimes it just, if I'm at a, a place of, if I'm too close to a place of stillness, my brain is frantically searching for something to connect with, and sometimes it's pain. So it'll it'll latch on to something, and and so yeah, normally head my head is usually what's mostly hurting, um, and then uh, sometimes my chest, but that's that's rare. But it's mostly my head. And uh, they that year and years, and you said to have in two thousand ten, mm-hmm. right? And when they said, so they said you this will give you two years, potentially, yeah. possibly. I mean, yeah, depending on how well I, you know, followed, you know, certain eating habits and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, but, uh, but honestly, after like a year of following the rules, um, I was doing pretty good. Like, I think, I think, uh, you know, people who I worked with when I first got back out here to argue that they were like, oh, I, you know, I could barely sense that much has happened to you. They could tell by the way I moved and stuff, like I was sluggish and, would have trouble walking up and down stairs, but I think for the most part they're like, no, he's he seems like he's doing pretty well. Um, 
But then after about a year, I, I said, you know what? Like, if this is my last year, like, I'm doing what I want to do. Like, I'm going to go eat a hamburger twice a day if I want, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wash it down with a Pepsi and a chocolate shake, you know? I'm, I, like, I'm like, I, if I, if I want to write, like, my, I remember the first thing I did was my doctor said, uh, don't, I'm a big Green Lantern fan. Like I, since a kid, I, I was, um, and uh, and the movie was about to come out or something, and uh, so I got uh, sc- uh, screening passes to see the movie on the red carpet. It was like my first ever I got to do something like that, and I didn't know it was a screening. I just got invited, and so I showed up with like a Green Lantern shirt and a hat and a ring, and I showed and I'm like, uh, and I'm standing there, and like a uh, a uh, 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 Tim Robbins is like, and I'm like. This is the actual red carpet. I'm like, I look like a 12-year-old. Like, 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 I'm like, I didn't know this. And everyone's all dressed nice. And I go, what am I doing? Uh, and so everyone thought I was, you know, special. <laughs> like, um, and so uh, at, like a couple weeks later, they opened the Green Lantern roller coaster ride. And so my, at Six Flags, and my, my doctor was like, I said, hey, I really want to go ride the Green Lantern ride because... I'm a Green Lantern fan, and even though the movie was, you know, what a, I don't know if you saw it, but it's it's not very good. I know it was uh, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Um, but the uh, but the but the ride, I was like, I want to go ride the ride, and it's like it's like this giant spelunking type machine um, where you go up, and then it's just like it's like it, it just like drops you like this, you know, whatever. And I know that's good for podcasting. Uh, go, go 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 YouTube it. Um, so I pulled up the video on YouTube and showed my doctor and he goes, you're insane. He's like, that will mess your head up. Like you wouldn't believe he's like, do not ride that ride. And I go, okay. So I'm leaving the hospital and I call my friend Charlie and I go, he goes, uh, Hey, so can you, can you go? Cause I'll buy tickets right now. And I go, yep. Doctor says I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> And then so we go and we ride the ride. And after the ride, I'm in so much pain. And Charlie goes, dude, I thought your doctor said you could do this. I go, he did it. And he goes, why would you do that to me? Like, he's, he's like, he's like I, you could have died. And, I, and I'd be the guy who killed you. And I'm like, don't look at it that way. Like, look at it as you made, you fulfilled a, something on my bucket list or whatever. Um, so I haven't ridden a roller coaster since then, but uh, was it fun while it was happening? Oh, though? it was amazing! <laughs> <laughs> it was such an awesome ride. Uh, yeah, it was worth it. Uh, so yeah, so um, <laughs> that's yeah. But is that something to you? Like you, you know, because he's like, you could have died. Is that like something you wake up every day? Like this could be a day, or yeah, absolutely. Well, when I wake up, that's to me. I always joke. I go, uh, waking up is step one. So when I get up, I'm like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm like. Like you asked for it, God, and then and then I go about my day and do whatever. And it's funny because some days, like you know, my friends will go, "Yo, what'd you do today?" And I go, "I I played Halo all day," because uh, I actually can't. I play some video games, but I can't play a lot because I get seizures sometimes. So some video games will trigger depending on like the kind of colors and stuff they have on the screen. Halo is one of those games that I could play over and over and doesn't bother me. So um, I was playing Halo and I played. I spent all day just playing Halo. And my friend's like, that could have been your last day on Earth. And I go, and it was fun. (laughs) And I saved the galaxy. (laughs) That's a great way to have the... (laughs) Exactly. You're welcome. (laughs) And two, you said that you didn't have any insurance, right? Did you not... That must have been a real motherfucker. Well, yeah, I I had a, a really great comic book collection that was worth a lot of money that we sold to pay for most of the initial stuff. 
damn, that must have been a big... Yeah, it's a big collection. Mike Burns was in for like a week, and I think it was like $80,000. Yeah. Yeah, ours was... Fuck, I should have gotten the comic books. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that was... It's funny, because again, like that was something where I had opportunities when I was younger, obviously moving out here and stuff. I could have sold that collection and been a, a really doing done well off out here, right? And there was something eating at me to not sell it. And then then that happens and then we sell most of it and it and it you know it means I have no medical bills now and it's like and it it saved my life. So it's like it's pretty unbelievable. Like what like I said, everything happens for a reason. Like I, I could have sold that collection ten times over and been rich like throughout my twenties and, and I didn't. And I see now why, you know? Yeah. That's kind of that's amazing. Yeah. I gotta start collecting something because I don't have health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right now, it, I, it won't go on for much longer. But I'm as a, as their guinea pig type thing. Uh, they take care of a lot of stuff with the with the thing that you did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so that's kind of yeah, yeah. So that's nice. So so lo- so I don't have a lot of bills now. Um, so, but that won't go on for much longer. I don't think. I think they learned everything they can from me. They definitely learned I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> like, Does your doctor ever do? You, did you tell him like, hey, yeah, I went on that roller coaster? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you do it with like I start it with like fuck you comma yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah so I went on that roller coaster jerk um, and it was awesome and then I puked uh, yeah no does I, he get, because he get mad or is he just kind of I don't know there, there's a part of him as a doctor of course he gets mad because his, his sole goal is to is to keep me alive you know like he, that's his sole purpose is 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 to was, as with all of his patients he he is to keep me alive so if I don't listen to him. That's uh that there's an, a a level of hey man like how can I do my job if you won't do what I ask you to do right um, but I think there's a part of him that is maybe respects that a little bit too you know like he's like oh you know what this I don't I've never been in your shoes he's like I've met a lot of people that have been in your shoes but I've never been in your shoes so for all so if this is your way of like I'm gonna do you know this is how I'm gonna spend my last days and. How can I argue with you? You know, I mean, and I'm not a doctor or any. I don't know much about, yeah. th- but I'm like, there's part of me that thinks like maybe it's better for your overall being it to is. be like, oh, I'm gonna go have some fucking fun because it seems like if you're gonna, what are you gonna do? Sit around and worry? That ain't can't be any good. No, I mean that's that's exactly how I looked at it. There was a time where I started to freak out, and that was only because I was around friends that brought that to my attention. Like before, I never had a, a worry. I was like, okay, I'm. I'm I'm here. It's for a reason. I'm gonna go figure out what that reason is, and then I'm good. And then I started meeting people who were maybe a little bit more cynical or negative, and were like, "Oh, aren't you worried about this?" And, I, and then I started getting in my head a little bit, and I'm like, oh, "I don't like that feeling." So then my answer to that, I think, was, "Well, and then I'm just gonna go have fun." And then I think, you know, for all we know, that could be the reason I'm still here a year later. You know, like that. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, hopefully, in five years, I'll be able to say the same thing. And, I, you know, you hear so many stories about, like, maybe your parents' generation, my parents' generations, who, who, oh, he smoked until the day he died and at 96, you know? And, like, all these people who just did it, they just, you know, because they're like, screw it. It's, it's, it's what gets me through the day. It's what makes me happy. Uh, and I say, as long as what you do gets you through the day and makes you happy and, and it doesn't hurt anyone else, then I, I don't see why you can't do it, you know? Yeah. And I think that will only prolong your life. And that's the key is, you know, don't hurt anyone else. Like, that, that's it. You can bring, you know, if you're hurting yourself in a way with cigarettes, it's like, all right, that's, that's your prerogative and your choice. 
but just, you know, don't blow smoke in someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's some sweet weed, Unless bro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and then also wasn't because uh, Soul am I I'm blanking Soul Sun Soul Star Soul Star yeah uh, I kept wanting to say Soul Dad for some reason oh, okay I had <laughs> a reggae f- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but that was also wasn't a lot of that like you did the Kickstarter for that mm-hmm. and a lot of that uh didn't, what what foundation did the money go oh, to the Brain Aneurysm yes. Foundation yeah we're well we haven't donated it yet but we're gathering the money and I told them I was gonna see because the book is struggling with sales, you know? So like, uh, and, and then the other reason is cause the first batch I had were running low on and I want to put it up on Amazon and it'll be a, a, a print on demand kind of thing. So every time one gets ordered, uh, we, I think we get like six or $7 a copy, but that'll go right to the foundation. And then once that is set up, I would like to donate what I've been able to raise so far. Um, but the book is, it's, uh, basically since I couldn't draw it all myself, obviously uh i went around i spent all the little money i did have in 2012 uh right yeah 2012 and um and i went to all these comic book conventions and there's a thing in each convention called artist alley and it's just the artists at a small table and they're selling their work like independent stuff or whatever um and they do commissions so i went up to all of them and i had a flyer that i made and it told my story on it and it and it and it told what Soulstar was going to be. And originally, Soulstar was a Superman story. And I pitched it to Warner Brothers in DC. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but they they uh, they did have to pass on it because they were already doing a charity for the Horn of Africa, which I was like already in support of. So I was like, okay, well, that's I, I, I'm not I don't feel bad about getting shut down because they're still doing something really great, you know. Um, so we retrofitted it and made it soul star. And I'm a big fan of Japanese culture uh, and Japanese storytelling, especially. So I thought, Oh, how great would this be to make a Japanese superhero and have him kind of his origin be set in, uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, you know, like world war two, where all these, where we drop our bombs there and he wakes up kind of like captain America. He's like a super soldier kind of thing. And he wakes up and he looks around and, his home is destroyed. And I, and I like, I figure at that point you're, you're left with two choices. You, you either become a builder and you help rebuild your country, uh, and, 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 and do good and try to salvage something out of this and, and find humanity again, or you become a destroyer and you, and he flies over to America and, and destroys all of us. And so I thought, well, since he's the superhero story, he should probably go with the first choice. And, uh, and so the story takes place over 150 years after his origin and it's like the year 2099 which is a marvel comic reference and he's uh it's his last day on earth he knows he's going to die at the end of this day but he but he has a specific goal that he has to do which is he's trying to turn he's the last superhero on earth at this point so he has still has supervillains out there so he wants to try to turn at least one of his supervillains into a hero before the end of the day so that the world still has a hero um, it's fucking great. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, and it's inspired by a lot of stuff. It's inspired a little bit by All Star Superman, which was a, a book about S- Superman's last like week on Earth or something like that, um, and uh, and like a, you know, a few other things. But but mostly, I was just like, I wanted to tell a really cool story. And then what made the book even more unique was that after meeting all these artists and going to Artist Alley, uh, a lot of them started emailing me and saying, Hey, we want to be a part of this project. And then we started the Kickstarter and. What we ended up with is a 100-page graphic novel 
uh, with 72 artists. That Guinness World Book of Records, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. And which which they take forever to get back to you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm really trying to beat this record before someone beats it before I can claim my, you know, my certificate. Uh, but yeah, the, the previous record, I think, or the current record is 62 or 63 artists on a book. So we're, we're ahead of them by 10. Um, and we ha- and the other book is like just black and white, whereas ours is like full color and, full, you know, everything. So, um, yeah, so we're, yeah, we're, I'm really trying to make that happen like soon, hopefully. Uh, but then they, they have that big ceremony for you and all that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. And, th- and the way we got Guinness book was we had a guy on our show who was, I used to do a podcast called Nerd Nation, and uh, we had a guy on the show who was breaking the world record for largest house party. And I guess, <laughs> and, yeah, and I guess someone at Guinness heard that episode, and was and and in that episode I talked about my comic, and then they were like, "Hey, did you know you broke a world record?" And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "For having a guy on the show about the <laughs> <laughs> right?" And they were like, "No, your book." And I was like, "Oh, cow. so um, so yeah, so 72 artists telling one story. So every time you turn the page, it's a completely different artist. Um, and it's great for me because that's actually, there's no difference for me reading soul star and any other comic book because I can't remember what was on the last page visually. So, uh, <laughs> so when I read it, I'm like, yeah, all right. And people are like, I found it a little jarring. And I go, I didn't put that into consideration. <laughs> did, did you get to work with some artists that you like admired? And uh, one of my biggest ever, uh, who I'm a fan of is Kevin Eastman who created the Ninja Turtles. Um, he drew, he not only drew the cover of the book for me, uh, but he also contacted me and said, Hey, um, would you, I know you have trouble drawing. Do you want to draw a piece together for the book? Oh, wow. And I was like, what? And he's like, you, he's like, what can you draw? And I go, well, I'm learning people at that time. I was learning people again. And I said, I can, I'm kind of learning people. So maybe I can draw the girl, like the soul stars wife. Um, who, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, she passes away in the story from an aneurysm, uh, like 60 years before his last day on earth. Um, so I said, well, maybe I'll draw her because we didn't have a lot of art pieces with her and everything like that. So he said, okay, do that. So I drew her and then I sent it to him and he said, what do you want in the background? And I said, well, let's, let's make this cause this, the, the Kickstarter was around Christmas last year. I said, let's make this a Christmas cover. Uh, and they meet, where Soulstar and his wife meet, they meet uh, this this past Christmas, 2013, uh, is when they met in the in the comic book universe, um, and uh, and so I said they met in Shibuya Square, which is in, in in Tokyo, and it's like the most crowded intersection on the planet, uh, and so uh, I said let's have Shibuya in the background, and then like the park nearby with a Christmas tree, and he was like okay, so he traced over the girl I drew and inked it, and then did the background and. And it's, uh, and I, I actually, when you go to my website, uh, seekdonley.com, like it's the first image I think you see is, is the girl in the Christmas tree. And it was like a dream come true. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and I, I just, cause Dan Harmon was a big supporter of this too. Which, Absolutely. Cause I, I, I want to get the, cause I, you, there was so much weird press about Harmon and negative press for a long time. And it's like, all I've ever witnessed from that guy is like, I said to her earlier, I was like, He's the kind of guy you want to be if if you become rich and successful because all he does is help people out. Absolutely. And he's been a big – he supported my show. Like, I mean, it's been – that guy is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I've seen from him. I've, I, I I will never in my life say a bad thing about him. It was, it was funny because an ex 
girlfriend of mine from years ago moved out here and was like, hey, I'm, you know, first thing I want to do while I'm in town is I want to go to this Harmontown thing. And at this point, it wasn't even recorded, I don't think. It wasn't podcasted. Um, And like some of the community guests, you know, the uh, actors were coming from time to time. So, um, so we went to an episode and, and I had no idea who Dan was. I didn't know what community was. And I was like, uh, okay. And so we're, I'm watching this. And as I'm listening to him on stage, I like completely felt at ease. Like, and it it was weird because at that point, like the, the kind of the autistic sense that of like where I get like in a room full of people, I, it's just like feedback. He like, he neutralized it by talking. You know, and I so instantly I'm staring at this guy, listening to his words, and even though I couldn't fully identify what he was talking about, to an extent, I just felt like a complete ease, and I was like, "Wow, that's I haven't felt like that around somebody, in a, you know, yet." So, uh, so even after me and that girl stopped hanging out, I kept going to those shows because I felt like there was some kind of a like a like a, a therapeutic experience for me. Uh, so I would usually go and sit in the back, you know, and then just kind of. Uh, absorb what was happening on stage and uh, and then after one of the shows I think at this point they started recording it and I went up to Dan afterwards and I and because no one was around him and I went up to him and said uh, introduced myself and told him who I was and kind of what I was going through and my health stuff and I said and I just want you to know that you know you have a really great show I, I completely love hearing you talk I think you're a really smart guy and and a very fascinating person and, and, uh, and you seem really cool so you know I just I just want you to know that I'm I sit in the back every week, but I'm part of your audience. I just, I don't know. I felt like it was important to let you know who I was. And he was like, yeah, thanks. He's like, you know, please keep coming to the show. Say hi to me when you see me. And, and that continued for a while. And then, uh, then soul star came up and we were really struggling to raise the money we needed. And I was really scared that we weren't going to be able to, um, hit our goal. And so I emailed Dan's assistant, um, who I had her email address and asked if I could, borrow an amount of money from Dan to donate. And then as soon as we hit our goal, I would give him that money back um, and then just try to make the book for less money. And then she said, uh, hey, uh, she wrote me back and said, hey, I talked to Dan. Uh, he said he'll give you the money, but he doesn't want it back. Oh, fuck. And, and it was actually more than I said, too. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, and then so, of course, and then he, on top of that, it was his birthday. It was, it was January 3rd last year. Um, and he, uh, he tweeted, Hey everyone, this is a a very important Kickstarter. Uh, I think you should help this guy out. He's really awesome. Uh, donate what you can. And he tweeted it. And within, I'd say three or four hours of that tweet, it was retweeted like over a hundred times. And I think we made another thousand dollars from that one tweet. And I was just like, um, and so, and at that point we were like $600 away from our goal. And, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. So, and then, the, of course, I went to him at the show after that. I thanked him immensely. Uh, as soon as we got the books printed, I brought him a couple copies. Um, I gave out those prints at Harmontown, uh, which were of the drawing me and Kevin Eastman did together. Um, I made an exclusive print just for Harmontown because of how much he donated uh, and gave them out to his audience. Uh, we made 200 of those prints, and I think we even ran out so there was more than 200 people at this particular show and then that's when he asked me if I wanted to come on stage and that was that's when you heard me on that show I think that's awesome I've been moved more times in this episode (laughs) than any of my fucking shows he's a (laughs) 
Dan's amazing. <clears throat> and it's it's funny because like I you know, we had we went we brought the book to Comic Con last year. It sold it sold pretty well. Last year I was working for a company called Top Cow. Um, I was doing marketing for them and they do uh, comic books, really great comic books. Um, and they uh, they had me working at their booth in the morning and then at night and then like in the afternoon I would go over to my artist alley booth and uh, so I was doing two things at once which for me especially at Comic-Con already when there where there's 130,000 people I already feel like I want to die uh, when, <laughs> when, I, when I walk around that many people uh, but the uh, <laughs> so going back and forth and having tasks and I got to be here and I had a, I had my own panel with uh, John Schnepp was was a, a guest of mine on the panel um who I'm a big fan of, and then I had like, and then I had another panel I had to do for Top Cow, so I had to be at all these places at once. I felt like it was the first time Comic Con felt like work to me, as opposed to me just being a fanboy and going. Um, and I had all these signings, so, but there was a moment at Comic Con the year before, at 2012, when I was finding artists for Soul Star, they had all the the West uh, West Baptist Church, Westboro oh, Baptist yeah. Church, people out in front of Comic Con, you know, because like, that makes sense. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they, I saw them at the. Uh, uh, home run derby i was like okay <laughs> all those phallic symbols balls and things <laughs> yeah so gay um <laughs> they uh so they're outside of uh, comic-con you know like telling uh, the saying they hate us because we're gay or whatever um and uh and so uh i <coughs> i went up to one of the guys and because i made a video for my kickstarter video i record at comic-con it was me interviewing people and i asked them the same two questions i would just say what do you know about brain aneurysms and what do you think about a comic book that aims to raise awareness and money to make them non-existent hopefully one day those are kind of my two questions so i ran into one of these this westboro guys and i went up to him and i said hey do you mind if i talk to you for a minute and he's like he's like and i think he was expecting me to be like you know like i've seen some people go up to these guys at comic cons and, and, and basically try to start having an intellectual conversation and then it ends with them yelling at each other because they're both closed-minded, essentially. I said, look, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not here to talk about your beliefs or anything. I'm just making a video for my, my, my comic book coming out and it's a comic book about a superhero who's trying to say, like, you know, trying to do something good with his last day on Earth and I'm an aneurysm survivor and I'm just trying to raise awareness and everything. I go, so would you mind if I interviewed you and I just ask you two simple questions? And he was like, no, not at all. And I'm like, okay. So I interview him, and it was a fantastic interview. Guy was really nice. Um, and I said, is I go now, just out of curiosity, like my book, I'm I'm hoping to raise money to save lives with it, you know, or if I can, uh, that's obviously the goal. And I go, but is in your opinion, uh, just does that make me a bad person? Like I, I just want to know. Like I, I and I'm not going to argue with you. I just if, if you tell me yes or no, I just curious. And he said, um, he said do you believe in Jesus? And I go, well, I don't have to believe in Jesus. He was real. <laughs> like, uh, so, so, <laughs> you know, and he's like, uh, okay. And I go, I go, um, but yeah, I mean, I have a very close connection with God and stuff. And I go, but, I, but I don't think that me liking this is like worshiping a false prophet or anything like that, or, or being gay or whatever. And I go, but again, I'm not here to argue. I just, I'm curious if you think I'm a bad person for trying to do this book. And he goes, no, I don't think you're a bad person. And I was like, okay. And then I walked away and, and then this year I went up to, I saw him again. I went up to him and I gave him a copy of the book. Oh, that's cool. And, and he was like, oh my God, you did it. And I was like, yeah. And so, and I talked to him, he had a son there. So I talked to his son for a minute and, and, uh, and I remember this year people were surrounding us going like, 
is he friend? Like I'm wearing like Superman shirt and everything, and it's like, <laughs> is are they friends? Like like, and it's like, and I'm like, I'm like, but this is that's my point is that it's like, everyone can be reached, everyone can be uh, communicated with. You know, like it, it doesn't have to be yelling and 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 the fact that you come from two completely different viewpoints or belief systems or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't connect. You know, even if it's just for that moment. I mean, me and that guy, who knows? We may not be friend, best friend quality, uh, but or best friend capable. But in that moment, it made sense, you know. And I reached through to him, and he, re- and part of him reached through to me. So, um, so that and that and and I that kind of spark is kind of what I see in Dan and, and the people that go to Harmontown, and, and and now audience members have become friends with me, and and uh, and it feels like a real family. And I realized I wasn't looking for a family, uh, but I, it feels good to have one now, especially out here in LA where I have essentially no one, you know, it's just me. Uh, my nearest family member is in South Carolina, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a good feeling to ha- to have all that, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel about a lot of my community and friends. Like, it's like I spend more holidays with people in Los Angeles and I probably have it with in my family in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. No, I mean it's it's, it's I would wouldn't want it. Um, before we wrap up, I want to I'm going to ask you. Uh, this is something I I want to do. Okay. Uh, I want you and I to make a date to go to Meltdown, and you find me a comic book that will you know will talk music and movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fun to do. Okay. Because uh, I would like to maybe get enter that world. I would love to. do And that. I think it'd be fun. Then we can get lunch and bullshit like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. And and uh, also I just. Uh, uh, where can people find your 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 the, the comic book? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. And because I'm sure people, if they don't want to support this afterwards, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> and I will yell at them. I will not try to reach you. Right. <laughs> yes, right. I will not take any inspiration from you, Seek. <laughs> and there's always one. <laughs> um, yeah, you can. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Exploding Bullet. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, awesome comics who is the my my current job that i work for my friend i, I just had co- another coiling procedure done in november so uh i've been in bed mostly for the past two months and, and i had to quit top cow unfortunately but my friend offered me a job doing marketing and be the editor-in-chief of his comics which is a job i've always wanted um so i'm helping him so you can go to awesome comics o-s-s-m comics.com and uh, and we and actually, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I've just created five new websites for Awesome Comics, um, including my new comic coming out called Monomyth, which is uh, basically a story where what if Lucifer, what if what if Lucifer didn't fall from heaven and Michael did, and so Lucifer ends up becoming the protector of mankind, and and Michael is the one who falls. So that's a new story, a comic book that I'm working on coming up. Um, so you can find me. You can find me at awesomecomics.com and uh, and Twitter mostly, yeah. And oh, and seekdonnelly.com. S i i k e d o n n e l l y. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. This was such a blast. It was awesome. Thank you very much for listening. To Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please go about Feral Audio. Check out the other shows. Uh, if you can, donate some money. Uh, would you? Would you donate some money? Go to the Amazon link there on my page if you can't afford to donate some money and buy some stuff from Amazon and then I'll get a kickback of that and that way I get some money. Follow me on Twitter too, Matt underscore the wire at Twitter.com. Uh, hope you're all well. I'm a body, tracing
National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com. <laughs>